period of social distancing, of course, a lot of us are staying at home. We're with our families, we're with our kids, you're doing homeschooling, there's a lot going on, right? And we wanted to chat this morning about conflict resolution and some of the things that we could be doing, how we can handle a lot of the new conflicts that we're having now that we're all in the house together. So I am bringing in Haitian-American licensed marriage and family therapist, Matt Genius, that's going to come in and we're going to talk a little bit about conflict resolution. He's going to give us some tips and strategies on how we can manage some of the stuff that we might be go that might be going on in our homes right now during the our quarantine. Let's see. Let me get um, Matt in here. Bonjour. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm happy to be here. I'm, I'm doing well. Thanks. I'm so happy to have you. Um, you know, we've been following your work for a long time. We were able to have you as one of our guests and one of our um, oh, um, our past mental health panelists. So exciting to have you back here with us again this morning. Listen, I am so excited. I'm happy to see you. I'm happy to see people. <laughs> <laughs> right. The lives and the social media thing is the best because even though away from each other, these lives kind of keep us connected in a way that we're kind of still able to chat and be in the same place for a little bit. Yeah. So, which is one of the reasons why we thought to start off our Mondays, you know, with Mental Health Mondays and we're calling them Monday Motivation. So today's topic should be very interesting. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I'm ready for it. You know, I'm ready for it. So... <laughs> I'm happy to hear what people have to say and happy to see how we can help people out to, uh, you know, to, to work through this short period of time. Yes. Yeah, so before we go any further, let me um, read a little bit of your bio and you can go in and do your full introduction. So Matthew Jean, LMFT, completed his master's degree at Nova University, Nova Southeastern University in marriage and family therapy in 2010. A few weeks after graduation, I saw this and I had to add it in. Um, wow. You and a few of your peers, actually from the master's program, went to Delma 75 in Port of yeah. Prince Haiti to give back in the form of mental health service, which I think is so amazing. Um, Matt has been in mental health field for several years and has started a nonprofit nonprofit organization, the Go To Therapist. He felt it was time to offer more personalized services in private practice. The name choice was simple: Beachstone Counseling, <laughs> a place where people can find peace. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's it, man. You know, my, my practice was named after that trip to Haiti, in fact. Mm. Yeah, so my, that was my first time. You know, my parents are born in Haiti. I was born in the Bahamas. And so my first time in Haiti was when I went after the earthquake. And wow. so it was very traumatic. It was very traumatic. And uh, our host, which, you know, I'm so grateful till this day, saw that we were being, you know, um, burnt out. So he took us to a space called Calico Beach. Yeah, Calico. Calico Beach, beautiful. Probably one of the most beautiful beaches I've seen. And I grew up in the Bahamas. And so when I was there, I gathered some of the, I see the Bahamian flag right there. I see you. Okay. <laughs> when I was there, I gathered some of the stones that were on the beach because it didn't have sand. It just had smooth stones. Yeah. And so I gathered some of those stones and brought them with me. So uh, wow. as a reminder of that moment, and when it was time to name my practice, I named it after that experience, Beach Stone Counseling. Oh, nice. Okay. And you know, I thought the beach part was kind of connected to the fact that you're in Florida. So I'm happy to know it's actually connected to Haiti. That's Haiti. That's, Haiti, man. that's, that's bringing me back. The beach is my safe space, you know? Yeah. 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 So. That's why I just saw that I'm outside and I'm sitting next to the pool because for me, just water keeps me calm. So oh I love that. That is my peaceful place. Any place that where I can find water, I feel at peace. Wow. You and I, we, you and I are <laughs> simpatico. We're the same that way. I love the water. <laughs> 
<laughs> so talking about peace and being home, of course, right now, a lot of us, of course, we're at home. Um, we're at home more than we've ever been. Kids are home, homeschooling. Conflict, of course, is something that's inevitable. There's really no way to go around conflict, right? So, But now we're having to face different forms of conflict. There's a lot of people that's having to deal with stuff that they didn't normally deal with. Right. You can't just send the kids to school now because you're upset at them the night before and send them to the teacher. Spouses can't just run away. There's no way right. to go. So what are some of the things that you are hearing, the types of conflict that you're hearing are coming, that are more frequent now that we're at home? So let's talk about what this whole uh, epidemic has done to our families. Yeah. It has turned our systems upside down, right? So, because we have a normal routine that we're used to. We're used to getting up Monday morning, getting the kids ready, sending them off, going to work, uh, coming back from work, getting the kids home. And then, you know, that we were used to a routine. And, and every routine, your brain is registering patterns that create a sense of normalcy for us, you know? So that was our normal. So to disrupt our normalcy is disrupting our internal uh, communication systems. So most of us that are dealing with anxiety, that are dealing with uh, depression, that are dealing with a lot of the things that are associated with this pandemic, we're not in a normal state of being. We're not in our, 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 our homeostasis. You know, our bodies and our minds, our emotions aren't balanced. And so that's causing internal chaos, you know, like, in our normal day, right, you, you would have opportunity to be outside, see faces, exchange that way, and listen. The gift of a smile goes a very long way. The gift of a hug, the gift of a greeting goes a long way. You know, seeing your kids off, that goes a long way too. Dropping them off, being like, bye, I'll see you later. You have a chance to reset, you know, and then get ready to get them at the end of the day. All of that stuff has been disrupted, and so now we're having compounded issues internally which are reflecting in our conflicts on on the outside and so because we're not okay in here it's going to start manifesting in conflict externally you know that's why we have more our arguments more disagreements more uh you know uh short-term conflicts more long-term conflicts because there's so much going on that we we don't understand that we're not in the similar space that we were let's say three or four months ago and so we have to understand the internal struggles before we understand the external conflicts as well. Nice. I didn't even think about that. I know we're talking about conflict. Like even when we discuss having this conversation, that's not even something that even came to mind for me that a lot of what you, what's going on with us on the inside is going to translate into how we even operate on the outside, which that's at, that adds on to what we already have going on. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Last week, we talked about anxiety and all the different um, components of that and what caused that. So even what you're saying right now, all of that is like all of that piles on top, too. Yeah, because trust me, your, your body normally is just communicating, communicating. We're not even thinking about it. And the messages are being received from your brain to your body, back from your body to your brain. So there's a conversation going on every single day. Right now, you and I are in a calm state. Our body is sending messages to us. Okay, you're good, you know. So your, your levels of your, uh, your hormones are, are balanced. Now, when that's disrupted by staying at home, by not seeing your friends, by having, you know, your kids that you have to take care of, by disciplining your kids, by, you know, now, now all of that stuff is disrupted. Now you have to now 
project that in a conversation with your spouse, with your significant other, with your friends, with your kids, you are not in the right frame of mind. Your communication is not going to be on point. You're going to argue more. You're going to be more irritable. And you're going to fight. You know, you're going to fight. You're going to have conflict. And so, so even with a... Go ahead. So even with a lot of us, as even hearing that now, and it's be like coming to reality, like, oh, my God, like, that's so true. I'm, I'm right. Here I am trying to resolve this issue I had with my friend yesterday or my spouse. But I'm not even thinking about all the internal stuff that I have going on. What are your what are some tips or what can we start doing now? Good question. So one of the things that we have to start doing is recognizing where we are. You know, a lot of times our focus is mainly externally. We need to take some time out of our day. I would say multiple times a day to check in with yourself, to find out where you are mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, to make sure that you're good. Check in with yourself often. The more often you do it, the better opportunity you have to go up, meaning, you know, I'm not high enough, I'm not where I need to be, or bring it down to find a balance. Once you can find that balance internally, then you can, yeah, somebody said mindfulness. That's exactly what it is. But I'm not trying to drop those terms on people because they may not know what it is. And so I'm just going to say how you do it. And so yeah. the more time you can check in with yourself and be conscious of your mental, your emotional, your physical state, the better opportunity you have to now navigate the relationships you have where we have to communicate, where we have to problem solve, where we have to create some type of um, simile, you know, some type of balance, you know. So check in with yourself and then know what you need to, to, to level up or to come back down. For me, like you said, we are outdoor people. We love the water. We love the beach. We love the, you know, the fresh air. For me, that's what I need. You know, my office is positioned right by the beach. When, when we didn't have the issue, I would go to the beach at least three times a week for my balance, for my mental state, for my emotional state, even for my physical state. It just feels good. I feel refreshed. And once I can press that reset button inside of me, then I can have more capacity to deal with things that are irritating, things that cause conflict, things that cause, you know, friction. And so checking with yourself know what you need to move up. Some people is music, some people is food, some people is dancing, some people is a smile, some people it's community. Know what you need and see how you can tap into those things even in this different time period. Now let's go a little bit into communication since you're talking about the idea of being able to tap in yourself. And a lot of times once you do that, you tap in yourself, you have to be able to communicate that. Right. Everybody communicates differently. Some mm -hmm. people are very vocal. Some are very, you know, extroverts. They're not going to talk too much. So right. what does that communication look like with your friends? Your, even now, we're not working, but we still are dealing with our colleagues a lot. <laughs> I don't feel like getting on this Zoom this one. I don't feel good. <laughs> like, how are we communicate? How is the best way to communicate these things? Communi communication is something that is best had in ideal settings, you know? Like, for example, if you have a conversation about emotions, you don't want to have it just anywhere, you know? Like for couples, it, it doesn't matter what you say sometimes, it's where you say it, you know? And how you say it. And how you say it sometimes. So communication has to have a context of a when and a where and a how. And I think sometimes we let, we let that escape us and we just think that, oh, I, I feel it, I gotta say it. We have to table sometimes what we feel to make sure the setting is conducive to what we're trying to say and then if the, if the, if the environment is, is right, if the atmosphere is right, then we can start communicating. And then the person also has to be in a space where they're willing 
to receive that. So it's not just about what you're saying. It's if I'm in a right space to even receive it, you know? And so understanding those two go a very long way. Couples argue anywhere, anytime, any space. No, you have to have a context in which you want to communicate the good and the bad. Because here's something that people fail to realize is that intimacy isn't just in good, in good times. Intimacy can be had when we're sad, when we're angry, when we're depressed, when we're tired, when we're hungry. It's just finding ways to connect. And yeah. we connect better in the in ideal setting. If the atmosphere is great, then I'm going to connect. If you're about to have an argument with your significant other and you look around the environment and it's not clean, you're setting yourself up for failure already. You know, mm-hmm. you know, my, my parents would be like, Mal pop. I need to show my you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Go clean that up first and then we can yeah. talk. Because what it does is the atmosphere shifts. You can almost feel burdens being lifted from you based on the ideal atmosphere. If you come into my office, the atmosphere has to be conducive for us to have a conversation where you feel safe to talk about certain things. And I think yeah. ideally, couples need to understand that as a part of their communication. Not just the words we're trying to say and you're not listening to me and you can't hear me. Think about where you are and how you're having that conversation. Is the idea, is the setting ideal for you to talk about what you're talking about? If it's not, make that adjustment, make that pivot, table it for a second and let's say, hey, let's move outside for a second. Okay, can we wait until we clean this up for a second? You know, can you wait until I shower? Can I get some food inside of me first? You know, I might need a nap before we can have this conversation. Think about those things, about what you need to speak your truth, but also about what your, part, what your partner or significant other needs to actually embrace, listen, and validate where you are and what you're communicating as well. So pretty much what you're saying, just because you want to talk right now doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean others are ready to talk or they're in the mood to or they're in the space to talk just because you feel like you need to get this out. Yes, that is very true. Uh, that is true. And think about it. Yeah. You know, think about it. Certain, 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 certain uh, conversations should be had in the ideal settings. Certain people are moody based on the day. I am not yeah. a morning person. Do but not talk to me in the morning. I'm so <laughs> big on that. And it's literally something I, I've had to, like, train people around me. Like, I'm always right. so bubbly. But right. I am not this person. Exactly. Like, early in the morning. And, right, and, so, I, and I have to have a cup of coffee first. <laughs> see? And people, sometimes people are like, don't talk to me until I have my coffee, right? So until I have my coffee, please don't talk to me. Don't, don't say nothing to me. Let me get my coffee in. And then I can listen. So the space isn't just for you to speak. You have to understand if the person's in the right space to receive the message as well. And sometimes we fight even more because we feel like the person isn't listening without yeah. taking into account that person's not even in the right frame of mind to listen. You know, my wife, I, I know she's watching right now. She is not a night person. She is not a night person. 7.30, good night. She's out, right? And so I can't come with a heavy conversation late night thinking that I'm going to have her undivided attention. That's a mistake on my part. So the more we understand our partner, the more we can create ideal settings to where we can have various conversations. Same thing with our kids. Understanding and knowing our kids helps, helps us create safe spaces for them where we can talk to them, listen to them, and be a part of something that makes sense for them. I saw a few people um, ask a few questions in, in regards to children with special needs. Okay. 
that's not something I have an experience on or even know the difference with talking to a kid that doesn't want that. So what does that look like? What does that conversation look like? What are some key things they could be doing? Are there any exercises or things that they can be doing with their children not to communicate and resolve conflict at home with them? Right. So special needs is very vague. You know, it's very vague. It's a broad umbrella that covers a lot of things. And so uh, they'd have to be specific as far as what that special need is. Special need could be hard of hearing, could be sight impaired, could be learning disability. It could be a lot of different things. And so understanding the context of what that child need is dictates the level and how we communicate to the child, you know? And I think the more expert that you, the, uh, finding an expert in that child's area of special needs will help you understand the way that you should communicate with that child. Each kid is different. It's not a one size fit all. So I can't yeah. just give a general answer to something that's not specific. So if they have yeah. specifics, then I can point them in the right direction and to who they may need to communicate with to get more information because that's important. Children yeah. in general, man, you, you think it's hard to communicate with adults. Children in general, we have to sometimes Ooh. get on their level. I don't talk to my kid. I'm standing and they're, you know, they're, they're like, you know, I have to come down on their level. Right. Yeah, I need, I need some tips on that, the children part, because I'm right. struggling with my nephew right now. Our communication was amazing before COVID. Right. Now we're batting, like we're going to war every day. Oh, wow, wow. How old is he? He's six. Six. Yeah. All right, so you're talking about a six-year-old boy, right, who's, who's used to being this place, that place, running, doing this, jumping, climbing. Where, where is all of that energy going right now if they don't have the space to do all of that? on a daily basis. Kids need structure and routines so that they can feel some sense of normalcy. The same way adults feel normalcy when we go throughout our day, kids need that same thing too. So here's a gift that we gave our kids. We made our kids, right, start to get ready for school as if they were still going to school. They have a schedule as if they were in school. So they have a time for breakfast. They have a time for reading, math, science, PE, music, everything. And we make them wear their uniform, you know? And when, yeah, we make them, we, we pay for them, you know what I'm saying? They go, they go wear them uniform. So they, they get dressed in the morning. They have breakfast, right? They go throughout their schedule, right? Which is a schedule that's similar to what the school schedule was. And then when they get done, they get to change their clothes, right? Put on some house clothes and then go and do home stuff. But that period wow. of time, we try, we try to structure it similar to what they're used to. In fact, I've even taken some of the things that they used to do for extracurricular activities and try mm -hmm. to implement it in our homes. They have one thing called Donuts with Daddy that they did at my kids' elementary school. And that's something that my wife and I are planning so that they can feel like even though they're not in school, they still can share those moments that the school brought you know, to them in our home as well. So we're planning on having donuts with daddy this week where I buy donuts. They dress up as if they're in school. We sit at the table, have donuts for the first, you know, 30 minutes of the school, and then they go about their schoolwork. So it's trying to get back into those same routines that the kids are used to. They are deregulated too, meaning the levels of hormones that were pumped into their system based on their regular day-to-day -day spaces aren't the same being at home, you know, in the same room, uh, seeing, you know, seeing the same faces. They don't get to see their friends as much, even though sometimes, you know, they get to see the on Zoom live their friends. On Zoom. Not the same. Yeah. They, they don't get to interact. They don't get to walk. They don't, 
So our, our, our structure at home is trying to create a similar routine, you know? And then the kids told me this morning that I have to do morning message, which is something that they used to in school. So oh. I told them, okay, today is going to be a great day. So morning message, which is from the principal. I said, yeah. today is going to be a great day. Today's, I tell them the weather. I tell them what the expectations are. And it's creating some sense of normalcy for them because that's what they were used to. Yeah. And so with that, it, 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 it kind of creates less friction between them and I because their expectations are being met, which causes less friction and conflict. Yeah, that's that's what I was gonna say. That's the I guess that's the first part of what I'm hearing what you're saying because it almost it seems like you're listening to them while you're telling them what to do. It's like you, the communication that you guys have is like really clear to the where like they could even come to you and say, "Hey, Dad, we need to start doing the morning uh, message." To where they they get that they can say that to you, and it's something that you're gonna hear and actually implement for them. Oh my gosh, you you said such a gift that I I, I was hoping to remember. But I think one of the things, if anything, that anybody get from this live is that listen to not just your children, but listen to your conflicts. Mm. Listen to your conflicts. Listen to your conflicts. Yes. Listen to your conflicts because your conflicts are sending you messages. They're telling you something that needs to change. Change comes from friction. So if we're listening to the areas in our lives that are causing friction, then we can create the appropriate change, right? So listen to the places where we're bumping, where we're having issues, where we're missing each other. Listen to those spaces and create the appropriate adjustment necessary to make sure that the conflict won't be had two, three, four, five, six, seven times down the road because we listened to it the first time. When you don't listen to it, what happens? It repeats, you know? Yeah. As we listen to our conflicts, whether it's friendship, whether it's business, whether it's romantic, however it is, if we're listening to our conflicts, they're going to send a message to us. That means listen to when your kids are having an argument, when, they're, when, they're, when you have an argument with your spouse, you got to listen to what it is that's causing the friction. If we listen to it, then we can create the appropriate adjustment to make sure that we don't repeat it or the distance between the conflict and the resolution is short. You know, so that's that, I think that's really, really important that we listen to our kids, but also listen to the conflicts that they're having and that we're having with them and each other. So now let's say we don't listen to this said conflict right. or we miss it or we're just not really good at catching on to things like this. So we're not good. We don't have the skills to especially in different situations now you're dealing with much more a little bit faster than we were used to. You're just not in a space to where you're catching things fast enough what do you do to make sure things don't escalate right so this is i hope we have enough time because I, I i really want to make sure people get this clear right yeah. all of us have the capacity right to create the change necessary to minimize our conflict that's everyone our kids do our young adults do us as professionals as adults do our haitian parents do we do it all the time we just don't realize and that we're doing it and we can implement the same best practices in our relationships. If you go to any job, any school, any place of business, they have rules, they have orientations, they have a best practices, they have things that you must do. You go to a class, you ask the kids, where's the rules? They'll point to those rules, they'll tell you what they are, they know what they are, and they behave accordingly. You go to any new job, you have an orientation package that you have to comply to, you have all these different things that you have to do, and we learn them. 
and we implement them and we work within that system. I think what we don't do as a couple, as families, as parents sometimes, is make sure that we have our set of rules as well that we can point back to and say, hey, this is not who we are, right? This is not what we do. Here's what we do, right? And the rules doesn't have to be what we can't do. The rules should be what we should do. You know, I think there's a difference. Sometimes we look at what we shouldn't do, but we don't tell, uh, you know, we don't base, we, we don't have a structure that tells us how to communicate with each other, you know, how to resolve conflict with each other. So sometimes we have to go backwards and restructure a foundation that gives us a governing body that allow us to communicate in an effective way so we will have less conflicts. Your, your business has rules, has regulations. You expect people to um, behave accordingly, to report accordingly, but it's the same thing. If they can do it in those settings, then they can do it in these settings as well. You know, they can do it in a professional setting. They can do it in a personal setting between parent and child, husband and wife, significant other friends. We know how to do it. It's just implementing it in a different way that makes sense for the relationship. How do we talk to each other? We know how to talk in a professional sense. How come we don't do it here? How do we listen to each other? We know how to listen. We know how to set up meetings. We know how to, you know, conflict resolve yeah. on the job. We got to learn how to implement those things in a context that makes sense for our relationships. Nice. I I said a few of those things before, but you, you don't really realize how much you're in and out of them. I always just say a lot of times if you handle certain things how you handle your business, there's right. certain issues you have in other places you wouldn't have. And it's so crazy right. because what you just said, there's no even the time when we communicate, right? At your job, meetings are at a certain time because right. everyone's in, everyone's had their coffee. Like you don't just walk in the door and there's a meeting. You know, there's right. these different things that they set up to make sure everybody's in the right place to receive. Yet we get home and we know that, but oh then God. we're like, I'm upset right now. I need to handle this right now. Someone needs to listen to me. And we don't, and all of that just goes out of the door. Why do you think people do that, though? Why do you think it's that we can go out in the world and be these functioning members of society mm -hmm. this way, and then we come home, and it's like... <laughs> it's, it's, it's a systems thing. It's a systems. If you, if you understand how systems work, systems work based on everything working together, having a confluence of ideas of people coming together. Outside, the structure mm -hmm. is designed for that, right? outside we have specific designs for that they spend millions if not billions of dollars studying and bringing the right people into corporations to create structure to create a specific type of orientation that will govern them their businesses to get the bottom line which is the money the dollar sign right yeah. but right. in our homes the real currency is the peace of mind that we have the legacy that we can leave behind the ideas the mentality of our kids seeing us resolve conflict in real time and them learning how to implement that in their lives in present time, but also the benefit of what it will do for them in the future. So if we create a system in place now at our home, then our kids are taking great notes and our, takes, and our kids take really, really good notes. They see it, they hear it, they internalize it, they repeat it, you know? So if we want them to do something different, and we have to start creating systems in place in our homes as well. And we shouldn't feel bad about this. The home is the first system. That's the first institution that was created, the family. So if we believe that the family is the nucleus of our society, then we, start, we need to start having systems in place that make sense for our homes as well. Who are we, right? What is our identity? 
how do we identify? And if we know who we are, then shouldn't that govern the way we speak to each other, the way we relate to, relate to each other, the way we resolve conflict with each other, the way we love each other, the way we support each other. All of it should be a system thing that starts in the home, and then you can see it trickle from inside the home, outside the home. When, when, when my kid's teacher tell me, oh, your kids are great, I'm like, yeah, I know. I know, right? Because this is what we do inside our home, right? But when yeah. my kids are outside wilding, I'm like, oh, that's not us, you know? That's not who yeah. we are. And so I remind my kids who we are so that they can remember that their behavior has to be aligned with who we are, the system, yeah. right? And then they check us now because they know what the system is. My kids will tell me, hey, dad, you got to X, Y, and Z because that's not who we are. They'll say, hey, mom, you got to X, Y, and Z because that's not who we are. And it makes sense for all of us because we are all accountable to a system that we set in place, right? We're writing those checks that will be cash, not just in this generation, but the next generation yeah. and the next generation. But if dysfunction yeah. was the theme in my household now, then dysfunction will be the theme in my kid's household and the next generation's household and the next generation's household. When you are aware of that, I hope, my sincere hope is that we can start creating change so that it won't trickle down to the next generation and then their next generation and their next generation. So we have a, a, a work ahead of us if that is what's going on in our homes right now. Love it. And I was going to um, ask that question, but you kind of tied into it because a lot of the things that we learn, a lot of our habits, our communication skills and all of that stuff is learned at home. It's learned in our Haitian homes. A lot of us, you know, a lot of people here are Haitian, Caribbean people. A lot right. of that are at home. A lot of our parents didn't have all these trainings and skills or it's not even that they didn't have it. Their idea of what that structure or what that system was, was this, right? And if it right. worked, we grew up to be amazing kids. We were straight A students or whatever to them the system works but it doesn't mean we're really great communicators that doesn't mean we're good at expressing ourselves that doesn't mean all these other things we're taking care of right so you have this thing to where a lot of people are like i only need to go to therapy if my life is falling apart right but there's right. all these other things that as people that we should be working on and we don't know and i think one of the best advice someone ever gave me and i think i just saw her on the live we were talking one day and she was like so wait so you're pretty much you're just gonna cope through life right, right. and i was like cope through life i'm like no this is my process she's like no that sounds like you're coping through and then you're not actually going out and getting the tools to handle certain things right, right. so in that sense how do we know when it's time to go get these tools. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, what are some identifiable things that you should be paying attention to to realize you don't have these tools? Like, oh I know what mine were, right? So yeah. what are some, and like you said, within that, we probably picked up in our families that's not affecting our relationships that we should be aware of. Right. Let me let me just stop. I got to pause for a second because you are dropping them questions, man. This is, this is really good. <laughs> Yeah, this is really, really good stuff. I'm, I'm hoping that people are taking notes because somebody is, 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 is listening. They're saying, like, man, you are dropping some facts. These are great questions. So um, here, here's something that we have to realize, right? Caribbean, the whole diaspora, you know, from Africa to the Caribbeans to the West Indies, all these different places, our history is bombarded with trauma, bombarded with trauma from, from, from decades, generations ago, to even present, uh, like current. We're still dealing with trauma after trauma, environmental, political, uh, you know, economic, 
all types of trauma, physical, sexual, all these types of violence that are happening to our people. And so we, we, we rise from that. And I love our story because we are people that rise from a lot of brokenness, right? Yeah. But that brokenness caused us to say that we are resilient, which I do not want to diminish at all. The resilience in our people is second to none. We are very resilient. We know how to get stuff done. But if you're going to say resilience, in order to be resilient, there has to be a space where you have gone through trauma. So we can't just say resilience on one end and then negate the trauma on the other end. If you are resilient, then you've experienced trauma. You have to address the trauma as well. You cannot just say, I'm resilient. I can work through this. I got this. Yes, you do have it. But you have to also address the trauma because there's a difference between living and thriving. I don't want to just live my life. I want to thrive, you know? I want to blossom. You know, I want people to see me and they'd be like, they start speaking French. Quel belle fleur, you know? <laughs> Right? I want them to see me and yeah. I want them to, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? I want yeah, no, I get you. Me, right? I want people to see me, see my family and see something different because we're not just living our lives, we're thriving. And, and, the, and the way to do that is to address the trauma. You cannot, you cannot just say life is what it is. I got it. You do got it. I believe you, brother. I believe you, sister. You have what it takes, but you have to address that trauma. And so here are some ways where you can start to see it very clear in your life. When it's being disruptful, and I mean disruptful to the point where we haven't normalized it, because a lot of us, what we've done in the past is that we've created some normalcy to our trauma. You know, I did it. Your your mom did it. Your grandma. That's where the word cope came from. I, no, I thought no. it was normal. No, it's not normal, and I think we have to get out get out of that space to 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 normalize from normalizing a lot of our tra traumatic experiences and saying that it's okay, it's not okay, right? And we don't want our kids to have the same lived experience if it was traumatic that we had. How, why would you want that for us? You should want yeah. better for us. And so therefore, if you start to see some disruption in their vocational, in their academics, and their uh, uh, social, and their relational to where it's disrupting them, you're seeing a diminished socially, you're seeing them diminished Educationally, their grades are dropping. You're seeing them diminish as far as eating and sleeping. You're seeing them fighting more. You're seeing them being restless. You're seeing them being irritable. Even within yourself, you start to see yourself yeah. not uh, you know, attending the same social events, not wanting to be around your friends, you know, fighting more, sleeping more, eating more, eating less. When you start to see these symptoms are ongoing for a period of two weeks or more, then you need to start maybe looking for a professional to get you the appropriate help. Because it doesn't disrupt you in the present. Some of these things are long-term, meaning it will impact you for 10, 20, 30 years down the line. Some of the things that we dealt with in our childhood are still haunting us in the current day, present, right now. You know, If we had the time, I'll go, I'll go on about ACEs, adverse yeah. childhood experiences, and my goodness, that talks about traumatic events that happen in the household that has an impact on our mental, on our emotional, and our physical health. And so without addressing these things and saying that we are just resilient, we are negating a huge part of our lives that can allow us to not just live, but to thrive in the future and in the present. You know? So making sure that we, we're not just saying we were resilient people, which, like I said, I know we are resilient. West Indian yeah. people, very resilient, very strong. 
And, and that's the gift that we have based on the things that we experience. But yeah. we also have to address the trauma. We have to address the trauma. We have to address the brokenness. We have to address the communication. We have to address a lot of those things that are causing us not to have peace of mind in our present and potential damage to our future. I love it. Address the trauma. And, and even with saying with that, when you say address the trauma, of course, a lot of us, for me, it took someone to say it to me. And it wasn't like I was screaming and yelling, breaking down doors. I was just doing things in a silent way that just wasn't working. And she was like, listen, you need to, this is not how you handle this particular situation. You're kind of just hiding from it instead of dealing with it, right? So right. the trauma sometimes or whatever you're going through doesn't necessarily always need to be loud. It could be other things that people see in you that they can say to you. I was in a place to receive it then, right? So I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying. When you're saying address the trauma, sometimes we may not see it. And maybe someone see it in us and being open to say, hey, listen, this is not normal. And, right. you know, being able to have that conversation. So here's one thing that I believe in, and not just because I'm a therapist, because before I became a therapist, I actually went to therapy myself. You know, I went to therapy myself. And even after I became a therapist, I've still gone back to therapy as needed. So yeah. a gift that we can give ourselves is that just go in for an initial assessment. What that is, is that you're going in to find out what's been working and what you can improve on, right? Just an initial assessment, yeah. right? You don't have to commit. Just find a clinician that can give you an initial assessment. Here's why. Everything that we value in our life, we take care of it. Our yeah. cell phones, how many times do they update the software on these things? Yeah. Right? Our cars, how many times do we have to go get oil change, tire rotation, this, that? How many times do we have to wash our clothes, right? Brush our teeth, go get an eye exam, right? Mm -hmm. Go get a dental exam. It's the same thing that you have to do when it comes to your mental, your emotional, and your physical health, right? Mm -hmm. Those three things are interconnected. If your physical body isn't doing well, your emotions start to manifest and it, it, it messes with your thinking as well. But if your yeah. thinking is skewed, then it messes with your emotions, which could uh, eventually impact your behavior as well. So you have to make sure that you invest in your mental health because it doesn't just pay dividends right now. It's for that future. So if you are on the fence about it, just go get an initial assessment. Initial assessment evaluation with a therapist can go a very long way because if you don't know, then you can't do anything about it, right? Yeah. If you don't know, you don't know. But don't be ignorant to the fact. If you feel that this, is, this may be something that could benefit you, just go get an assessment. Find yeah. a therapist that you, know, that you could agree with, a therapist that you feel comfortable with, and just go get an assessment. Just say, hey, look, I just want an assessment. I just want to know, you know, and then the, hopefully the therapist will know what to do. They can give you some evaluations. They can ask you the appropriate questions. And then at the end of that, they can make some recommendations on what you can do, what you should be doing going forward and what you could continue doing and some of the things that you could implement into your life to help you build the necessary skills to have uh, capacity for your future. I love it. I love it. I can't go without mentioning this because I think like one of the things I said, you know what, when we started doing these, and that's why I was so happy to have you have a male therapist on today was the idea of letting people hear and see 
a male therapist and you know it's pretty much the same as if you went to a female therapist it's really no different and also having you talk about these you know talk about these different things because we we always talk about the fact that even though it's still not normalized yet women are a little bit more open to the idea of therapy than men are so Very i was happy true. to have you on today for one of those reasons and i i want to make sure every time we have this conversation we get some tips and advice about what we can be doing to make sure our Haitian brothers, our Haitian men, our Haitian spouses yeah. <laughs> are just a little bit more open to the idea of going and not necessarily need it needing to be something like we're saying there's something wrong with you, like what you're right. just going to get an assessment. Yeah, and so that that notion of stigma that's associated with uh, mental health, it's it, it it's merited, meaning it has yeah. value. It has it has it has its. Uh, it makes sense in context, right? Yeah. So the medical profession in general has not been kind to minorities. You yeah. know? They've not been kind to us. They use us as as as, as lab rats, you know. They've 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 lied to us, they've poisoned us, they've manipulated us, you know, they've misdiagnosed us. So that mistrust that is had about mental professionals, it's fine. I get it. However, there is a, an insurgent of mental health professionals that look like us, that speak our language, that understand our context, that, that, that can relate to us, that from where we're from. Listen, I'm from Miami. I'm from Opa Laka. You get it? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, when people come in here, especially my brothers, I love to meet them where they are because they see me. And I see them see me the way I would see somebody on the street. They look at me, they look me in the eyes, they size me up, and then they wait until, you know, they can feel me, and then they feel safe enough to open up, and I get that. Mm. So, so yes, there is a mistrust, but you have to give yourself a chance to better yourself, and not just for you, but for your significant other, and for your kids, and for your legacy, past and future, you know? And so I, I understand the mistrust, because, listen, I was there too, but... The onset of mental health professionals such as myself, like a lot of the mental health professionals that are in the room right now, a lot of the mental health professionals that are from South Florida, that are of Haitian descent, that are West Indian descent, we are here for you guys. And in fact, I opened my doors. When I opened my doors, I said publicly that I specialize in black male issues. So I, I, I welcome all the black males to come in. I even went one step further to say that I specialize in entertainment in sports. And that's just a call to, to another set of males, you know? For those who, who feel like, oh, I'm, I'm above what a, you know, the regular guy, I'm an entertainer, I'm an athlete. Yeah, I'm here for you too, bro. You need help too, come holler at me. And we need to make safe spaces for these guys to come in and address their mental concerns, address their emotional concerns so that when they are outside of the context of professional spaces, they are still conducting themselves in a way that's reflective of respect, of integrity, of dignity, you know what I'm saying? So that we can still be seen as valuable. We can still see yeah. value in ourselves and see value in each other because we got this together. Yeah. We got this together and it shows in our relationships that we have. Already come, they walk in the door with a connection already in place. Right. Right. Love right. it. So right now for people that's listening, um, you're not able to see a therapist right now. I believe a lot of what you guys are doing are virtual. So where, whatever city or town they're living in right now, what are some key places that people can go to find therapists in their area? 
Okay, so I believe that there are several sites or Facebook groups where you can find um, minority therapists. There's uh, Therapy for Black Girls is one of them. There's uh, Therapy for Black Men, I think, or for Black, the Black Male something, I think, I can't remember the name of it specifically. Uh, therapy for Black Girls, Black Male Therapy, and there's Psychology Today that you can look up and you can specifically put uh, African American or African descent, and they will, you know, categorize them that way. You put in your zip code in that one, and they should show you an array of therapists in your area. Uh, what I would suggest is do your homework, do a little research. Don't rush. The same way we don't feel comfortable with specific, you know, other businesses in the area. Do your research. Read up on the reviews. Give them a call. Get that, you know, feel if that energy is matching your energy, you know. Ask for a free consultation. You know, most therapists won't deny a free consultation and maybe for five, 15 minutes even, you know, and see how you can relate. Uh, here, here it is, right? Somebody put it up there, therapyforblackmen.org. Thank you, Tasha, for putting that up. I really appreciate that. And so, you know, and make sure you, you, you really look into that person because if you're paying, if you're coming out the pocket for it, make sure there's a service that you are comfortable with and you feel that will benefit you to get the changes that you desire. You know, so so make sure you just do your research. Psychology Today, Therapy for Black Girls, therapyforblackmen.org as well is a great space to start looking uh, for a therapist. Love it. Thank you. And if you're in South Florida, wherever you are, and people want to reach you, you're very vocal on social media. I love that you use social media so much. How can people find you? Okay, so easy. The easiest place to find me is at Matt Genius, right? Matt Genius if you go to that page, it has all of my other pages there that you can find uh, different types of assistance. There's Beachstone Counseling. You can find me at Beachstone Counseling on IG as well. You can find Hip Hop and Therapy, which is another page. It's a calling card for all the people who love hip hop, primarily my black males, so that they can integrate their understanding of hip hop with therapy as well, to understand it from a deeper perspective so we can have conversations about that, just creating safety in the conversations. I also have another company called Sober Words, Sober Words, which is a company that fights stigma associated with mental health and substance use as well, you know? So I do a lot because I care. I want to see our people thrive. I don't want to see us just living, just coping like your friend said. I want to see us thriving, you know? I want to see us thriving and I'm here to help. You got my information. Whomever wants to reach out to me, if they didn't get a chance to hear their question asked or answered, DM me. I will make sure I get back to you within 24 hours. That's a guarantee. He does. He will. <laughs> and so DM me and ask your questions. And I'm always here to support. I may not be that therapist for you, but I'll definitely help you find that person that can connect with you and help you get the change that you desire. Matt, thank you so much. Oh, my God. Thank you for being here with us today. I'm so appreciative of you for coming and having this conversation. And as you can see from the comment section and all the hearts that everybody was dropping, this was a very important conversation. I'm so thankful that you joined us today. Oh, man. So much gratitude for all the people who are sh who shared, comment, and, you know, just, just support me. South Florida is my home. I love my people down here. And they know I got their back. That's why they're supporting this as well. So... Thank you for the opportunity and the platform. I appreciate it. Thank you, Matt. Have an amazing rest of your week, everyone else as well. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you on Wednesday and Friday for the rest of our lineup for this week.